But just before we do that, I would like to announce that next week, uh, Trevor Harrison is going to be the guest speaker, and he's going to talk about that tax that apparently we don't want to have. Uh, it's in fact, the title is, The Tax That Dares Not Speak Its Name. Do you want to think about sales tax? <laughs> well, Trevor's going to talk about that next week, so I hope you'll think about coming back here. Uh, the Sackpaw Board would really like to see some of you uh, uh, step up now and pay a membership so that uh, uh, the uh, society, the organization can keep functioning well. And you can pay that, uh, that uh, membership over here at the table just at any time you want to do that. So now um, you can come to the microphone over here for your question. And uh, we'd prefer if you would just ask one question, uh, but you can have a second one. If, uh, if there's a lot of time. So our guest speaker is back again, and he has been talking to us about systematic fraud. And so we'll have you back again, Larry, and welcome again. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Tad Newtree. Uh, Larry, thank you. You're always good. We'd like to have, have you anytime. Question is, spell Advisor, how do you spell it? E R O O R. And I, I, I saw both. And uh, what's the difference? Would you like the dictionary definition or the, the John Globe and Mail definition, the Lethbridge Herald spelling, or the legal <laughs> in the Securities Act? <laughs> we can work this any way you'd like that. We get any right, results you want. Can I put on the card? The, uh, I have so many different answers to that, but I finally got after 15 years of asking, I finally got an answer from the top security council lawyer for the securities administrators, which is the umbrella organization of all provincial and territorial. And they say that advisor, spelled with an O, is not found in our law. It might have been five or ten years ago. It's not found in the Securities Act. The and with the Canada Council, I think it's like the same thing. Yeah. Thus, it is a mere title which anyone can use freely and will not be subject to regulatory oversight. I could be misquoting it, but something to that effect. So if you would like to call yourself a financial advisor, feel free. You can be licensed in selling mutual funds in 30 days for any group that wishes to hire you. And financial advisor, ER, is legal in the law. And that's uh, similar to the United States. They have advisor acts which go back to 1935, 1936, with E spelling. And yet they have perhaps a million people down there that say, trust me, I'm an advisor. And I haven't quite figured out whether they're using a spelling trick to skirt the law. And believe me, the people I work with could do that. But regardless, if they're calling themselves an advisor, even if the spellings are equivalent, even if you use the definition that advisor with an E is the same as advisor with an O, they still don't hold that license, so it's still deception. Thank you, Ted. Hi, Henning Mundell. And Larry, yeah, you've painted quite a devastating picture to us here. Now, for those of us seniors that are financially, financial industry challenged, more than Larry Alford is. <laughs> Does Lethbridge have any license advisors? And if not, who do we go to? It's all three, but it's A, B, and C. Okay, A. Does Lethbridge have any advisors license? B. 
If not, where do we get our financial uh, assistance, advice? C, are you available and licensed? <laughs> you, you need to answer only two of those questions. Okay. <laughs> I want C, also. Uh, any, none that I know of. A financial advisor is, if I go back in history, there was millions of brokers running around selling stocks on commission. They have all elevated their status in, in some form of title inflation. They have elevated their status like a garbage man is no longer a garbage man, they're a sanitation engineer. But we did that with the advisor game from the brokers, and I don't know of any professional advisors. They're usually money managers, portfolio managers. They usually look after accounts that are a couple hundred thousand dollar minimum to 500,000 to teachers' pension funds to Alberta Heritage Savings Funds. Oh, never mind, we don't have one of those anymore. Yeah. To the uh, Norway Sovereign Funds. Yeah. So it's a different, it's a totally different breed of uh, person. The financial advisor, the professional manages money, and the financial advisor manages you. You're the product, sir. I hate to say that. <laughs> yes, and it be. Um, the the smartest uh, the smartest Bay Street analyst I know of, who who's seen this and more, says that uh, one of the choices is you must do it yourself. You must learn to become financially literate, so that you cannot be fooled by the easiest stories in the world. Some of these some of these deceptions and license concealment and exemptions to the law, they the surface is only that deep, but not many of us will research it or get online or look at any of this stuff. And by the way, send me an email if you'd like the links to the eight or more, the Wall Street Journal article, the videos, and a few things that, that I would love you to have access to. So I think you have to do some of this yourself. If you turn everything over to someone else, in Canada, we have the strongest financial institutions in the world and the weakest regulations. You will not be served really well. It's like two wolves and you sitting down over dinner to decide what we're going to have to eat. And no, I'm not licensed in the industry. I find my, my time is much more productive than to go back and try to, uh, to gain clients. I, I see some valued clients here in the room, some people that I had great relationships with and, and appreciate it. And that was the best part of my business. The technology down there killed me. The uh, lack of ethics did almost kill me. Uh, the people were, were what, what it was worthwhile and I, I don't want, I can't enter that industry again unless I can be in a capacity where I don't have to do harm to the people that I'm serving. That's not able, it's not, I'm not able to do that at the moment. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Malcolm Greenfield. Mm -hmm. um, my question is, well, I have two, two brief questions. One is, why did you put a, a political party rather than a government department as in your little manifesto here. It doesn't make, it doesn't make much sense. These parties change, right? The governments mm -hmm. have still have the responsibility. So Governor of Canada, Governor of Alberta, whatever. That's your first question? You got another one? Yeah. Okay. Um, the other one is, what, what about the ATB? We're living in southern Alberta. A lot of people are customers. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, political party is a very good question. Thank you. The, uh, the conclusions and the solutions pages I put it on the uh, each person's table, and this was simply the best set of solutions that I've seen in 10 or 15 years. 
And I can't get it from a government because as soon as the government gets into power, they got good ideas for about 30 days, and then all of a sudden they're like, whoa, whoa, we can't do all that. And they get brought down to, they get brought into line. And I, I emphasize that dramatically. And the recent government that came in in Alberta was fixing the Alberta Energy Regulator, and I had lots of hopes that they would fix the Securities Regulator. And someone got to them very quickly, said, no, 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 you don't know what you're doing, the people in downtown Calgary. And now the, the Minister of Finance in Alberta, who's the ninth one in 10 years, is saying exactly the same thing, answering the same questions with the same wording of the previous eight Conservative ministers before them. It's the same thing. So I'm, I can't do it with the, I can't do it until I get a government that's willing to look at what's true and what's kind and, and what's helpful to people. Now, this party, who I deliberately removed their name off of because I didn't want to be political in a SAFTA meeting, I wanted to be a political agnostic, if that's the right word, but I had some brilliant people by the name of Mike Pine, Michael Cormick, and Peter Beal, Everett Tannis, and Val Bura, who were working on this particular topic, and they came to me and said, we would like to, we'd like to run with this at a political party policy convention, and they sat down with me on more than one occasion, and hammered out what are the problems whereas this is the problem be it resolved this is the solution and they did a wonderful job and this is this encompasses more solutions than I've seen in 15 years in one sheet of paper so in a nutshell it's beautiful so no political affiliation names removed so not to offend or in, encourage anybody this is just good these are good solutions Canada needs investor protection because every Every securities regulation game out there is in the game of securities industry protection, in my opinion. Thank you. Yeah, I don't. I think the government would still be more appropriate. But I, I hear you. The, uh, the ATB was the other question. And the question on ATB is what? Do they have a legitimate license advisor? I don't believe so. I didn't look up ATB, so I could be wrong. But you could look them up, or I'll be glad to look up a name. After the session, if you'd like, it takes about 30 seconds and then we'll show you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Hi, Larry. Enjoy your passion of the topic. I can honestly say I looked up to the last person who asked the question. And uh, in my dishonesty, my name is Merle Haggard. And uh, 16 years ago, I retired from 20 years of teaching along with my sister-in-law, 20 years of teaching. We invested together $240,000 in 2002, and within one week, we lost $120,000. Merrill Haggard wants to know, Larry, where is our money? Where does that money go? It's gone. Can you give me an idea of how it might be filtered out throughout this system? I will try, Gord. It uh, usually goes to commissions and fees, on expensive products and uh, and incentives to get salespersons to go out there and find more money, bring in money, generate transactions. That's what the, the business was when I started as a broker. Buy and sell was the only way you made a living. Eat what you kill. Uh, no offense to the roadkill analogy over here. Uh, sorry, Austin. But uh, it, it gets consumed by a marketing force which is out there trying to trying to earn a share of your wallet, every person's wallet, and the corporation that sponsors their license gets to share equally. It's about a 50-50 split between the dealer 
and the salesperson. So if we can make a million dollars worth of commissions, the dealership, the bank gets half a million, the broker gets half a million. There's where most of your money went for. Thank you. Gordon Hope. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. <laughs> Further to the ATB questionnaire a moment ago, I'll mention that ATB put about 60% of customers' deposits into asset-backed commercial paper in 2006-07. That's uh, 60, I think up to 60% according to the Auditor General report. So strangely enough, Alberta Finance, under the Minister, had a uh, Securities Commission over here exempting the law on investment products that the Alberta Treasury Branch was putting your deposit into under the same minister. One's exempting the law, one's dissolving your money. Uh, and I've said there, yes sir? My name's Robert Smith. I don't have an advisor. I figure I can lose money just as efficiently as an advisor can. I would like to know more about fee-only advisors. Can you talk a little bit about that and whether they're trustworthy? I only, I, I believe I only know about fee-only planners. Um, let's say, no, let, let me back that up. Fee-only advisors would be like the um, legally, responsibly licensed Ontario Teachers Pension money manager. He's a, he's a fee-only advisor. They would charge well under 1% fees and they would look after your pension fund or your investment assets and they would do so as a fiduciary with a sole loyalty disclosed to you. And the fiduciary is a several hundred year old legal principle which says I can't profit by doing harm to you. That would be a fee-only advisor and those people charge from about 1% and down so the Heritage Savings Trust Fund, when we had one, was paying fees down in the quarter of a percent or less, maybe two-tenths of a percent. Very, very inexpensive. Where I've got a study here in my, in my slides where the average retail investor in Canada is paying 3.8% more than the advisor that you mentioned. So they're paying enough to dissolve uh, two-thirds of their retirement over a 35-year period. All you have to do is lose 2% of fees and your future value will be cut in half over a 35 year period. That's the magic. That's why the banks do what they do and have a sales force and sell particular products. Because we just have to get two more percent out of everybody's wallet and everybody's investments and your retirement will be cut in half over 35 years and our corporation will have the other half. That's the magic, ladies and gentlemen, two percent. Mike? Hi, Larry. Uh, Mike Pine here. Uh, I've got to say, on all the visits I've had with you, you're such a nice guy. You're so informative, but you're you're so negative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you smile more. Uh, the United States is on the cusp of a of a tremendous change. Should a man by the name of Bernie Sanders get in? He hates everything that you and I hate, and he'll make a change if he lives long enough to get in there. Uh, I've got a really simple question. What do we have to do to get this on the radar? You've been talking about it for a long time. Everybody I talk to goes, what, what? They can't believe it's happening, but uh, nothing is happening. What do we have to do, in your opinion? Uh, it has to change at the government level, as this gentleman mentioned, but not, and it may start with a political party, it may start with a scandal, it may start with wherever it starts. I'm so um, I'm so long in the tooth waiting for change and seeing 
the, the people in this room be harvested and all of Canadians be harvested at the tune of a billion dollars a week. We have to change that. And yet that billion dollars a week, the people who are putting a billion dollars a week into their pockets in Canada, their University of Toronto numbers and so my own numbers added in that they didn't uh, cover, um, those people are fighting, you know, there's a hundred people in this room today. I can guarantee you there's a thousand lawyers meeting across Canada right now with a thousand clients on how we can change the law, how we can not have a best interest standard, how we can not put the client's interest first, how we can not disclose our license, and how we can not and not and not. It's a huge machine. And like Bernie Sanders, they, he's getting average people on the street who actually understand that we're being, the markets are rigged, we're being ripped off, we're being cheated and we won't take it anymore. And you damn Canadians, you'll get ripped off in the rigged market for most of our lives. And all we're doing is passing the problem to our children and our grandchildren. And that's why I'm not smiling as much as I should, because I'm not, I'm not willing to pass this problem to my children or my grandchildren. Because I don't like the, I don't like that direction of the economy, that slide. I was born in the luckiest place on earth at the luckiest time in the luckiest male, female, you know, male member, white skin, everything. I've had everything in the world going for me, and I see that being taken away by people who are just cheating, richer by cheating. Thank you, Rick. Just one last thing. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you, mate. Uh, Trevor Page, uh, Larry, thank you for your insights into one of the pillars of the capitalist system. You sort of answered uh, part of my question in responding to a previous speaker, but it's my understanding that the federal government recently wanted to bring in a federal regulator, an Alberta refused. A, is that true? And are there other provinces, to your knowledge, that have taken the same negative position? My understanding is the federal government is trying to clean this problem up. And perhaps you'd comment on that aspect as well. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. The federal government has, for a number of years, tried to institute some kind of national single securities regulator. And I think that's a good idea. The 12 or 13 now that we have are very fractured, it's complicated, it's hard to get anything done, and they all have their own way of looking at things, and, and Alberta has been balking at joining anything national. Um, I've, I've been to Ottawa a few times, and I've talked to them, and, and they said, well, we can't touch securities regulation because it's a provincial responsibility. It's delegated to the provinces, so there's a little bit of delicacy there. And my response to that is, so go ahead and set up a national investor protection agency. Just, just go right past them. Instead of trying to fight the problem, go to the solution and say, we're going to raise the standard here. Investor protection requires this and this and this. Kind of like the Department of Labor is doing in the United States with their fiduciary standards or their best interest standards. Just go straight to the, to the fix and to heck with trying to fight a constitutional battle. But they are, people are turf protecting. You know, in, in Calgary, I cannot imagine the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars generated in downtown Calgary on the legal and the accounting receiver monitor cleanup scandals of Ponzi schemes and exempt market products and people losing their shirts. One quick story, when the uh, fellow from one of the churches out east here decided they were going to get in the investment business and start selling 
shares in golf courses and condos and really great projects. They were using exemptions to the law to sell exempt market products. 22,000 people in Alberta suffered from those. 100% losses. Um, it's, it's insidious, I guess, and the, uh, yeah, I've forgotten what my point was at that particular juncture. Let me go to the next question, it'll come to me in about two seconds, Trevor. Mary, Mary. Thank you, Larry. Uh, Mary Shillington. Uh, you may have said this, but I didn't hear it. Uh, what does it take to be a registered or a licensed advisor? Uh, so that's my first question. The second question, and you may not know this uh, either, I don't know. Uh, for the, the various credit unions, do they have any licensed uh, advisors? And the second part, not that I know of, and to become a licensed advisor is um, quite a process. You have to become what's, you have to be a money manager and go through years of training and courses, whereas to become an exempt advisor or one which the law either does not, is not applied, you can do that in 30 days. You can be selling mutual funds next week. In fact, there's uh, a lot of people on LinkedIn and a lot of unemployed oil field workers that, uh, that I've heard from that are saying they're now recruiting online financial services firms are recruiting laid off oil field workers in Calgary to why don't you come and work for us and be a financial advisor which is akin to saying why don't you come to us and be a salesperson because you probably know 200 people and if you know 200 people you can bring their money to us so it's uh, it's, it's strange I just remembered where I stopped my train of thought uh, the Calgary uh, the Calgary receivers and monitors would be the ones cleaning up some of these exempt market bankruptcies, some of these Ponzi schemes. So let's say they raised $50 million to build a golf course in Bragg Creek. Golf course didn't get built. Nobody turned a shovel. The money goes gone, and the property's sitting there. In each case, the investors say, well, give us the property, and we'll look after it. We'll take care of it. We'll salvage what we can out of this. In each case, the property is turned over to a receiver against the wishes of the investors, always the same judge, and always the same receiver is appointed. And in the last case, I think he took $20 million in fees out of it. And surprise, that's all it was worth. And so he put on a $50 million project, he ate up $20 million in fees, and investors get zero. I repeat that a hundred times. You know, but, uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, thanks, Larry. Bev uh, Trainer. Uh, Larry, I have uh, my investments with uh, a dealership called Desjardins in British Columbia. Mm -hmm. I've wanted to bring that back to Alberta for some time now, and I'm very interested in putting it into index funds on my own. But I feel like I need some support for that. My question to you is, where could I find support for doing that? That's a good question. That's asking where this is a solution and where do I go? And there are a number of, of uh, outfits online that are, that are kind of designing their practice of investing. It's saying, how can we help people become do-it-yourself investors? How can we help you to move your money to a discount brokerage firm or an online brokerage firm where you don't have the pressure of a salesperson? And then how can you invest it in something that you understand? And there are a few of those out there that are getting away from the, the, the salesmen who are trying to get two and three and four percent fees out of you 
uh, and allowing you to control your investments. And that's what you're talking about. I'll give you the name of one afterwards if you're interested. I don't want to shout out at the mic and, and, and support anybody's business here. It's not what I'm here to do. But there are those uh, there are those people who are trying to make it so that you can invest for free, which is what my father did back in the day. He would pay a commission to buy a share of Atco or Transalta, and he would never pay again for as long as he held it. And that's how everybody invested 20, 30, 40 years ago. And in the last, since 87, when they took away my business cards and they said, now you're an advisor. By 2001, I see PowerPoint presentations from bank managers who are saying, we need to get a dollar, we need to earn a dollar on every client's asset every day of the year on every dollar they have with us. We need to get all of their money in on fees. We need to get a, a fee based on your account or a fees on mutual funds or something. I'd love to see people go back to the old days and say, I'm going to hold an index fund or a stock and I'm going to hold it like Warren Buffett does and I'm never going to pay another dime. That would save you half your future retirement right there. Thank you, Larry. My name is uh, Kurt Peterson. Uh, Larry, there's a few of us in this room that's retired and there's, like myself, there's quite a few that's over 55 that's getting ready to retire. Uh, do you think we'll ever see the day again when we can get a uh, good return on DICs? <laughs> you know, if I knew the answer to that question, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what negative interest rates mean and how they come about and what is actually happening there. And I'm sorry, I, I can't, I can't answer it. I, I couldn't explain it to you at this moment. So I don't know which way interest rates will go. I, I bet money on there being some kind of a currency collapse or something that's some black swan event that no one no one can predict or even think about something will happen i hope it's not a war i hope it's not terrible but uh boy we've printed more money now than weimar germany did weimar in the in the 1920s and we have no repercussions no effects from that and that's that violates the laws of physics so your guess is good as mine sir Sarah Schilling, thank you very much larry for your presentation i appreciate it and i appreciate the uh, political uh, draft resolution that's on our page, uh, tables and and uh, I think any of us who belong to a political party, whichever that is, can take that same resolution and work it through the system and and begin yes. to uh, yes. uh, propose it as policy, but that's just the opinion. The question I want to ask is, I'm trying to get my head around why there's no political will <coughs> to resolve this. Um, you know, if a doctor betrays the well-being of the patient, uh, he or she is in trouble. Uh, lawyers can be disbarred for not uh, properly and responsibly defending their client. Um, I'm trying to figure out why it's the Wild West in terms of investments. Uh, uh, I just can't I quite grab, and I, I can't quite understand why, what would be the political motive in approving financial exemptions, the, the slide that you showed there. I can understand why corporations would ask for it. So I, I, why is there no political will for this when we do a better job of regulating um, other professions? That's a really, really good question. Two good questions. The political will, it just came to me as you asked it, I'd never thought of it before, is A, is that Canadians don't speak. They don't speak up. They won't 
they won't write the letters, they won't do, and over here writes letters every week, and some people do, but Canadians are polite, and we don't, we'll apologize for being abused. We'll apologize to the abuser in Canada for being abused. Uh, so that gets speaks to your first comment is that uh, your opinion was that this this uh, Liberal Party policy draft could be handed to your NDP member, your Conservative member, your any member and say, why aren't you guys protecting the public? Why are you selling out? And it's because corporations speak up. I mentioned earlier there's a thousand lawyers in a thousand meetings right now across Canada eating, dividing up your pie, your dinner. And we're sitting here in dinner and we're not going to speak, we're not going to take this to a politician, we're not going to do the, we're not going to do it until things get difficult like they are in the States. Imagine how many people lined up supporting Bernie Sanders. That took a blink of my eye, a blink in history. It was 2008 when the world markets collapsed, it didn't collapse where the, where the crime was committed. Uh, 2011, occupied kids stood up in New York's uh, parts and said, "We there's something wrong here. We don't know what it is, but there's something wrong here. The world is becoming unfair. And it's only 2016, and, and uh, there's millions lining up for to see a solution. So I think you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you pointed it out. We need to take a, a policy or a resolution like this, whether you approve or disapprove, whether your politics are red, green, or yellow, hand it to someone in authority, a politician, and say, for Christ's sakes, Protect us. Don't protect banks. They're doing okay. Bev, you have the last question. It has to be short. Thank you, Bev. So it seems to me just when the stock markets get really good and everything's looking really good, then we have a correction. And it seems to me that that is made by the financial markets. So they can rip off our, our accounts. Um, what is your answer to that? Oh, 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 I, I don't know that I could agree or disagree with the correction. I will say this, in the last, since 2008, when we had the collapse of the assets froze up, the subprime mortgages, they couldn't roll over anymore. People wouldn't take the paper anymore. So they, it became a game of musical chairs from about 2004 to 2008. The idea was how to dump them on the suckers. And National Bank had a huge inventory of this bad paper, and they dumped them on a lot of suckers. Um, but whether that causes a correct, the stock market to correct or not, I think ever since 2008, we've been printing money. Just the Federal Reserve has been able to push a key on a computer and print a trillion dollars. We need some more money. The system is crashing. We're going to hit the ground here unless we pull up. And they would print a trillion dollars, two trillion dollars, and they would just, I was going to say flood the system with it, but unfortunately they only gave the money to bankers. So they saved one sector of the economy to people that can buy a couple hundred million dollar yacht, and they didn't save anybody else. And they've been doing that over and over again, so there's your next correction. There's your black swan. I have no idea when it'll be, what it'll be, what it'll look like, what will trigger it, but... That, that again is to define the laws of economics and physics. So. Ladies and gentlemen, would you like to ask our our speaker to come back? You will. Thanks for a very uplifting talk, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>